Hey everybody, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. Uh, last week I helped co-produce an event at the Beehive in the West End called Sticky Business and we invited 20 or so people from around St. Louis uh, to come together and create a multimedia magazine in a single evening and I'll post the link to the output of that. Um, but as part of it, we did a podcast. Um, Amy Gwynn interviewed Pat McGulley, who uh, ran innovation for years at Anheuser-Busch, Angie Mingus, who's the current head of innovation at uh, Nestle, and Dan Roos, who runs Openly Disruptive and, and is in the innovation game here. That's what the issue's about. It's the innovation issue. That's what this podcast is about. And Amy Gwynn actually uh, hosts this uh, podcast, um, and I help produce it. So I thought I would throw that up as the creative stick up this week. It's a, it's a lots of good information here. So enjoy Amy Gwynn uh, interviewing a little roundtable discussion with Pat Angie and Dan. tonight with a fantastic team of kind of big thinkers in the innovation space in the St. Louis region. Uh, Dan Roos is a consultant who uh, works in the innovation space. I'm going to let each of these people explain their kind of areas of focus. Uh, Pat Magali was formerly the head of innovation for Anheuser-Busch. And Angie Mingus is with is the global innovation lead with Purina. They all know each other. They spent part of today at a an innovation conference. So we have the luxury kicking off our innovation sticky business night to be sitting in Dead Wax Records listening room, um, having a drink and relaxing on velvet couches, getting to talk about innovation. We're really excited to have this group together. Um, let me really quickly go around and have each of you say uh, kind of your place innovation in the innovation space that maybe kind of distinguishes you from one another. Dan. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, my background is I, I came from both a technology and a marketing background. Um, but uh, what I really do nowadays is I really kind of get emerging ecosystems. And so what are the parts of like what do investors and, and the early adopters and the talent and the entrepreneurs and the corporate innovators all need from each other? But these are all emerging things. And, and they, it's really a culture they're trying to create. And how do you foster that culture and help them along? It's like the shared economy of ideas through, right. from corporate all the way to guy in his garage. Yeah, so for example, you know, the fundamental realization I had about this audience was if you went to a TED conference, you know, all these people want to go to TED conferences, but if they found out that you're just sitting there watching the conference and you, and you just politely clap and you don't do anything, they go nuts because they want it. Where's our whiteboard? Where's our, you know, what are mm -hmm. we going to do? How are we going to work together? Let's roll up our sleeves. They don't want to just sit there passively doing this. But they have different roles, and we need them to have different roles. Yeah. You know, not everybody can be the person to, to invent something. Somebody's got to be the person to get to market. Somebody's got to be the person to communicate what it does and, and do all of that change. And in some ways, that's so different from the normal old corporate environment where you protect all your ideas and you keep everyone out. And so teaching people how to open up to that. Yeah, and I, you know, I, mean, I think it's great to have these guys here because I think especially what they're trying to do is, you know, that has tapped out. I mean, those organizations worked really well for a long time. Um, but all of the growth from that has been kind of tapped out. And so there's got to be some new ways to create new categories and reinvent things. And uh, 
you know, my take on it is that there's probably 10% of the people that are kind of doing the leading edge stuff that are kind of defining an ecosystem. Um, and, you know, how do you engage those people and move something forward? Great. Pat, I said a bit about your background, but why don't you say kind of what is your, the space you feel like you really own right now in, in innovation? Yeah, I think uh, I spent 30 years at AB and um, great years. And uh, the last 12 was running the innovation team. And I think, um, Obviously, there's a lot of great um, access you have within a large corporation. Uh, there's obviously bureaucracy and things you need to cut through in order to be successful. And I think uh, kind of managing, and I think to what Dan said about, you know, understanding the culture um, within a company. I think our com- company understood um, the fact that they were very good at exploiting and at executing very well and understood that a gap was, you know, being more of the export explore mindset and and kind of taking more risk and taking more challenges and uh, that's what they kind of allowed me to do within AB to uh, create a group within the company to take a few more chances to you know make some bigger bets and uh, see where things go I I think we we really fully believe that you know we are the industry leader and I know our retailers also expect us to lead not just from a total standpoint but definitely from an innovation standpoint Who's going to drive the industry on what the what's the future of the category industry going to look like in the next five or ten years? And I think it's incumbent upon the great companies like AB to like define that and plan that instead of letting it happen to them. So I spent a lot of time working on that, you know, really working on culture, really working on getting the right team on the bus. Angie was uh, fortunate enough to work. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to work with Angie uh, many years ago, and just having talented people. If you don't get the right people on the bus of innovation, we're not going to be successful on getting people that are willing to take risks, getting people that are willing to try new ideas, getting people to test new ideas, I think is what makes innovation teams successful. Okay. And Andrew, tell us a little bit about, uh, you're, you're in the heat of it in a, in a business, Pat, you're now helping other businesses right. learn how to do what you did at AB, but you're, in, you're directly inside an organization, so tell I us am. a little bit about that. Well, I would like to say that I had the pleasure of working for Pat and learned so much from him. So it was one of the best bosses I've ever with had. With me, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> with him, oh, definitely. Um, I am currently in a new role within the organization. So the global innovation team at Nestle Purina has only been around for three years. And when it was created, it was really created to start looking even long-term than what our other market innovation teams were looking at. So we're five-plus years out. And something that we're really focused on is defining platforms and then scouting technologies within those platforms and partners that we can partner with because we know that internally we don't have the resources to go for speed uh, because we have to maintain our base business. So who can we partner with? What technology companies are out there? Um, how do we want to grow the business outside of just dog and cat food that we have right now? Where's that consumer going and what do we need to do to win? So it might even be innovation of the business model or partnerships or promote all kinds of things instead we do of just a lot product of business, innovation. Yeah, we do a lot of business model innovation, a lot of product innovation, a lot of new category exploration, a lot of business development. So I have a question for any one of you who wants to answer. Um, it. A big part of this issue is certainly a company creating a team or a process or hiring consultants or whatever, deciding they want to innovate. But the thing you hear so much about is, is creating a culture of innovation or creating a culture of entrepreneurship. Um, 
is is are you hearing that in clients or is it more like let's create a process and bring experts or create a team of experts or are or are people you meet with thinking as well as that or on top of that we have to make our organization function in a way that is continuously passionate about innovation i'll take a first pass at that i think um i think most company leaders always start with the result that they're looking for. Everybody wants growth. They want top-line growth. They want to improve and grow their overall business. I think um, what sometimes doesn't happen is backing up all the way to um, understanding how to get that. And so you can, I can, I can challenge you to give me 20% re, uh, increased sales, but if I don't change the way we're doing things, it's probably not going to happen. So I think backing up and talking with companies and, and some companies understand some have to be kind of coached on it to understand that you know really getting the the culture right moving all the way when, I'm, when I say backing up you got to go all the way back to understand what the culture of the company is like because you can do some diagnostic and say no matter what you do you're probably not going to get a different result if you keep doing what you're doing so understanding is it a cultural thing and some cultures are very hard to change but if it is, and, and senior management understands that, that's where they start making adjustments and changes to allow, you know, maybe they incent people, instead of punishing folks for mistakes, they incent mistakes. Because if you're making more mistakes, you're taking greater risk and you're, you know, biting off Letting a lot. Letting people know and, they can go yeah, out and, and try something. more, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if people stick their neck out and you chop their neck off the first time they screw up, then you're probably not going to do that again. But if there's ways to, you know, nobody wants to you know, um, push failure. But honestly, if you're not failing in innovation, you're probably yeah. not going to be... Having a risk tolerance. Exactly. To yeah. You're not going to... People who fail, I, I fail a lot, and I would say that I've learned way more from my failures than my successes. Mm-hmm. So it's building upon the, the, the those failures that we, we grow. And, um, and I think it's management allowing that failure to happen, making sure that they're learning along the way and they're not... You're failing two or three times. That's a problem. You're doing the same mistakes two or three times. But if you are failing and learning, then you're building upon that. And I think that's what makes that creates that culture. Then more people want to come into that group because they see that that's an interesting mm-hmm. area to be working. And sharing in. failures openly lets Absolutely. everybody learn from them instead of just the oh, let's not talk about that. Absolutely. And that's that can really make somebody else be a little courageous to try something the next time. And I want to add on that. You know, I think it's also. You know, people look at innovation and they're looking at it backwards so that they're saying, oh, well, what, you know, when Apple did whatever they did with the iPod or whatever. And, you know, in the benefit of hindsight, then you're like, well, obviously I would have done X, Y, Z. But the reality is it's not that easy to see. And even successes sometimes don't look like successes at the time. I, I was just talking to somebody that told me about Henry Ford. When Henry Ford started succeeding with the Model T, all of his original investors wanted to cash out because they didn't think the Ford Motor Company was going to be along that long, or along, around that long. And so he actually bought back all of his stock from his investors because they thought he was surely going to fail. So, you know, and they, I mean, they missed billion-dollar opportunities. Yeah, they were be, risk-averse in that. Be, because, yeah. you know, and because even though something that we now know was wildly successful, nobody knew that that was going to happen Yeah, at the, the new is scary to the new, Yeah, and so we, I think you have to embrace that to your point. I mean, the organization exists to get risk out of the system. You're trying to find a way to inject a little bit in. Right. So do you find that, that companies are, um, that you deal with are, are, are their heads in that space? Are they thinking, oh, we can't just create a team, we need to examine our culture and be open and, and this is part of our vision? Or are they just saying, let's get this nailed with a team 
No, I would say Nestle Purina is a great example where we have a mandatory class. Anyone new to the organization has to take an Innovation 101 course. Oh, that's great. So they really want to drive innovation from every employee. Uh, they expect everyone to be challenging, and that they're open to, if you don't like the way something's due, speak to your supervisor. You know, push it up the chain, because if we don't, if we're not talking about change and how we need to adapt, we're going to stay in the same spot that we're in. And how much of that specifically, but also other innovation projects, how much of that is about um, you should know our business and our customer and our products so that you can innovate, or or is it we want you to think creatively and not work too hard in this box we live in and, and examine other things? What's the... I, I think there's a little bit, especially with Anessa Purina, 90% of your time should be spent on your job, but a 10% right. of your time should be you know, blocked out on your calendar so that you have free thinking time. You can think about maybe ways that you can do things that you're working on differently. So they're very for blocking time on calendar, having hours where you just think, being involved in a project outside of work so that you can cultivate different ways of working and, and different styles. So that so people are literally given back. 10% of their time to... That's mm -hmm. great. Um, I'd love to know what each of you thinks is the... If we're speaking tonight to leaders who are hoping to nurture innovation in their organizations, be it startup or something big, what would each of you say is the, is the biggest barrier or the thing they should address or consider first? Dan? I... I think um, innovation is one of those things that it's not a thing that you do that you have. Uh, it's something, you know, it's not a gift that you get from above or whatever. It's something that's just a practice, and it's really understanding the context in which you work and being able to look at that and mix things up and to, and to explore why is, the, is this arbitrary or is this really necessary? And so it's a combination of wide vision and critical thinking that I think is cultivated. I mean, some people are better at it than others, but... It's got to be that way in the entire organization because if you're not questioning why you're doing things, then you end up wasting a huge amount of resources. And you know you have silos that build up around those mm -hmm. those cultural biases. And so uh, start by examining the status quo. Examine yeah, the examine the status quo and the why am I doing this? What value am I adding? And you know and hang out with the people that you know that know that if you're not directly serving a customer or serving somebody that's serving a customer that you probably should be rethinking your job because that's you know you're too far removed from it you should be thinking about it that way so um, that the more you can cultivate that and to me that's whether we call it entrepreneurial thinking or innovation or whatever those are just the soft skills that are necessary to succeed in the world today that's there this is like saying you need to be able to speak english to you know work in the united states well yeah duh mm -hmm. that's great would you say I think that? there's. Um, I think a lot of companies have to really do some self-diagnostics and looking in the mirror to really understand: um, Are they allowing? It goes back to the culture piece, but then I think they have to ask themselves: Are they allowing innovation and innovative thinking to take place? I think um, a lot of companies build a lot of bureaucracy. I think they build a lot of walls in companies that kind of, and I think sometimes they're blind to it. I think the line people have a lot of hurdles to overcome to get their jobs done and to get projects through and so forth. And I think, um, I think when the company sits down and kind of self-diagnoses themselves and with line people and senior management and having those open discussions on where the gaps are, I think that's where, that's where the walls start to come down and, and progress is made. I think when there's just an expectation that 
oh, if I put somebody in charge of this and they're just going to make us more innovative, it, again, it's, it's very hard to move culture within a company unless the senior management is aligned with you know, improving or changing or evolving that culture. So it really takes a, a, a both parties, the line folks trying to move, move the ball down the field, senior management who wants it to happen, but they need to make sure that they aren't the reason it's not happening. And I think really looking themselves in the mirror and making sure that's not happening is key for any company as they're trying to, everybody wants to grow, but are they putting the right things in place, the right process, the right people? Make sure that the whole system allows right system. for the change. We deal with that a lot because we go into organizations and help them change culture, and we find that they create a vision and they'll say, this is what we want, and they might align a certain level of leadership to that, maybe, maybe not, but they aren't examining the fact that that people can't actually do it. I'm not really empowered. You can tell me that all day long. You can tell me I'm supposed to innovate. You tell me to be creative, but my, one, I don't have time. You're not giving me time, so I'm glad, Angie, to hear that that's not the case at Purina. Or, or every time I come up with an idea, I'm told to get back to work or I have barriers. Right. So to your point, I think that, that, that coming up with the narrative and the desire, the vision and the inspiration is going to die until you examine all the systems and make sure that it yeah. can actually happen. The, the role there is, are they truly lowering those hurdles? Are they mm-hmm. taking those obstacles out of the way? And listening when people say, we've got yes, them. Yeah. And taking them all down so that those folks can move through the system get projects approved, get them moving forward. They might die. Maybe they're not a good project but uh, and the better ones behind it. But, again, lowering those hurdles, I think, within the organization is what's key, the key role from a senior management And the minute somebody has a great idea and they run into a barrier and no one helps them, they're going to say, well, next time I won't raise my hand when I have a great idea. Well, we do a lot by celebrating success, yeah, too. That's no matter good. what we do, if it's right, wrong, or failed, you still celebrate it. You, you pick out what was good about it, and you move forward. But I think allowing people to realize that failure is okay mm-hmm. and still celebrating it mm-hmm. helps cultivate that that culture too. That's and, and I would think that in an organization like yours, Angie, that you know that if you're looking down the road at new categories and things like that, one of the things is that you're trying to model how you're going to, as an organization, get there over maybe five years or whatever. So at some point. I mean, the plant manager or the product manager, whoever that has to manage whatever you're working on, who's much more risk averse because, I mean, they're all about not making errors and all of that stuff. They've got to feel comfort. So you're really using that period of time as a runway to engage them. And if you don't show that it's okay to make mistakes along the way, then by the time those people take it over, it's dead. We do a lot of um, internal surveys, so Mm -hmm. we're lucky enough to be able to bring our pets to work. So if we do have a product innovation, we'll allow anyone to come to a room and bring their pet and try that product innovation. So it really allows those line managers to really engage and give feedback and feel like they're part of the team that's developing something. Yeah, so... Sorry, go ahead. No, it's because it's not just your idea. Right. You know, there is not an innovation function in the company. It's uh, somebody is facilitating innovation for the company, but you're really moving the whole company forward. And we've had some of the best enhancements with people coming in and making comments, and we'll we'll videotape and we'll take pictures and we'll take notes, and that's what really builds the mm-hmm. momentum and actually helps us really fine tune the idea. Right. I have a, a I was just reading something recently that someone from Google said. Um, you don't create a culture of entrepreneurship or innovation with perks. You, it can only happen with passion. Mm-hmm. I, and I wonder what each of you thinks about that. I, I have a 
10 principles of innovation and I think passion is like my second or third and it's kind of been one of my anchors of how I how would hire um, I would hire somebody with more passion than more intelligence um, and it's great when you get great intelligence and passion like I have with Ange but um, it isn't always one or the other yeah, right? it is, um, did you give him a 20 or a 50 yeah, I don't know. We have to pay him but honestly um, because not everybody has you know not Everybody is, is is suited for innovation, but when, when folks would come, I mean, I had people who would come and beg, and I'm like, oh, you're an analyst. I'm like, man, you're probably not going to be. But they came back and asked four, five, six times. Curiosity. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would just, finally, they wore me down to the point of I would talk to them, and then finally, and if they convinced me, again, their passion, I, I wanted people, and I wanted a team with passionate folks that want to change the world. I think they're going to be great innovators, so... The whole passion element, I think, is, is spot on, and I think they're going to make great innovators. Yeah, I, I actually have a, kind of a, a, a psychographic profile I've made of innovators just over time when you realize the people, the, the qualities that they have. And they're really, they, they are passionate about solving a problem, And but we think that passion is always going to look like Mark Zuckerberg, somebody in a hoodie or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's not, and sometimes... It's the person that really doesn't want to be out of that rank-and-file job that they have, but they really want to be the best at it, and they understand it better than anybody else. Or they see problems, and they, it bothers them until they're fixed. You know, right. People that say, I could make this better. Yeah, I mean, the kind of person that can just, you know, that uh, can just say, well, you know, yeah, the company's been doing that for 50 years, and, here, you know, at some point they're going to change, and here's what they're going to change to. And you're like, how do you, why are you working on the dock? You know, right. but it's, it's that person that gets it at that level. And the sad thing is in some companies, nobody hears them. No. <laughs> they say that right. and it goes off into the air. Yeah. Um, so St. Louis is, is is starting to gain some real traction in this area. It's an exciting place to be right now. I think it's fantastic that we were just listed as the top city for growth in startups. Um, I'd love to know what each of you thinks about this community right now in the, in, in innovation. What's what Angie, what's your take on our our um, strengths, weaknesses, our place in innovation in this region. I would say it's really fun to be around a lot of like-minded people. So I think it, I love the fact that St. Louis was voted that. I think it, it's really helped make it shows even to the larger corporations around town mm-hmm. that innovation can happen anywhere and everywhere. And I think I know that Nestle Carina is reaching out to those communities and saying, how do we better ourselves and what can we do to be better at innovation? So I think that's helping the larger corporations as well. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot, that there's a lot more dialogue going on between the large companies in town and the startups and go beneficial to both, kind of this idea of, to, to your work, Dan, sort of how do we find ways to help each other? Right. That's great. Pat, what do you think of the community right now? I think... I think innovation is a team sport. I think um, I think it's all about collaboration, and I think you know St. Louis is an interesting community because it's fairly tight. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I think you know, I, th- I think there's a lot for kind of two-way learning too. I think big companies are learning from small companies, and I think as you just said, small companies are, or startups are learning from big companies. And I think the fact that there's just a lot of symbiosis going on and the fact that you can't hide in this town I think and the two are coming together I think is going to really spawn more you better innovate or someone's going to notice and call you out absolutely (laughs) absolutely 
Yeah, and I think that we have this interesting thing. If you go to the coast and you talk to people about St. Louis and everything, number one, I've, I've been on the West Coast and people are like, St. Louis, that's in Ohio, right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, okay, so we're not going to win them over. But at least they're neutral. They don't even know where we are. But what the ones that do get it, they, they like it because, you know, you can, the, the people that it would take you, you know, years to meet if you were in New York or Boston or the Bay Area or whatever, because the scenes are so big, you meet in the course of a month here. Yeah. And you can interact with them and everything. So we have all of the right stuff, but it's on a scale that you can actually interact with them and inter- and uh, inter- you know interact in a in a useful way, not mm-hmm. just meet them at a party or whatever. I think the challenge is though, if I just you know, I think that mm-hmm. what's what's going to happen though is that um, the very successful conservative ways of doing business, um, you know, and managing risk and everything are going to need to, to, you know, let down the, the, you know, let down those barriers a little bit and actually engage with some of these new ideas. Because if they don't find outlets here in the region, um, then those ideas are going to go someplace else. And so there's got to be a way to manage that and explore ideas. And that's what we can learn from people on the coast, that they've learned how to take risks and explore things a little bit uh, better than we have, and that's that's just kind of the next thing we're doing. I and think. that's what's exciting about things like getting that um, rating is that it just gives some credibility. Like, oh, I better pay attention to this um, to folks who might not otherwise have done so. So that's great. Um, so I, we always try to kind of pass on some wisdom. That's why we wanted your big brains in the room tonight. But the so if we were talking to somebody who has not been in this space, as we said, it sounds like your your advice is examine, challenge the status quo of what you're doing, ask why we're doing things, and then allow your people to do that, listen to them, um, give people time, Angie, yeah. and actually empower them, um, reach out, co-create, uh, yeah. be open source, what else? What, what am I missing? Be it, risk tolerant? Yeah, it, uh, innovative culture wins. I think it's if you don't have, uh, haven't established the right culture, then you have to. And if you have, you need to build upon that because I think that's what ultimately wins at the end of the game. Right. And don't listen to no. If someone tells you no and you strongly believe in it, keep fighting for it. Yeah, Show and some passion. people go to another company and fight for it, which is... Yeah. When they say no, why? Ask the yeah. question why. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, each one of those is an opportunity. If you treat yourself as an innovator, then you you know that whether I succeed at the company I'm at or with a startup or with whatever other company, I'm just learning, you know, every one of these things is an opportunity for me to learn. So you, you develop some agency. The other thing I'd say is, you know, just kind of challenge all of it, you know, especially when you talk about the corporate people that are afraid of innovation. What is it, like 95% of the S&P 500 will not be the same in five or ten years? Um, I mean, There's I can't remember choice. what it is. I can't remember what the turnover is, but you know, the S and P 500 changes all the time, and um, you know, whether it be acquisition or just be irrelevancy. So you have to also say what happens. You know, what's what happens that we're going to do to be relevant in five to ten years, and to be agile enough to deal with whatever comes at you. Right. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you all so much. This was a great conversation, and we're looking forward to having our sticky business with you tonight. And um, we'll be checking in with you as the community kind of grows our whole. Brain Trust of Innovation. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks, Amy.